We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugard. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys already know where to follow me, so I'll just plug the YouTube channel. Seahawks Man to Man is number two man on YouTube. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right, we're coming to you guys about a week after our last episode. It's kind of like a bonus training camp episode about six days in, five days open to the public. Full disclosure, Chris and I are giving you this episode. Uh, this Today is, today is Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, today's Tuesday. Um, we are going to be gone uh, the rest of the week. Chris and I are going to Vegas um, for the National Association of Black Journalists Annual Conference. We'll be gone Let's see, this will come out Wednesday. So if you're hearing this Wednesday, August 3rd, we'll be gone until the 7th. That's Sunday. Uh, so if you don't see any updates from me on Twitter or anything, you'll see any pods. That's why we out of town. But we wanted to make sure we get dropped to something uh, after about a week of camp uh, to just, you know, have, you know leave, you, leave you with something. What's, exactly. the, what's, the, uh, what's the hook? I shouldn't have left you without a dope beat. Oh, to yeah. Step. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so we, without a dope pod to step to. There you exactly. go. There you go. Yeah, we uh, lacing you with something while while we're on break and in Vegas, uh, soaking up the sun. Uh, I'll be back. My next story, I think, will be like Monday, um, the eighth, when I get back. But anyway, let's dive into what we've seen. Again, yeah. that, uh, Tuesday was day six of camp. It was day five, open to the public. So just in case you see any confusion there, like I think the Seahawks are calling it day five. The first day of pads was. Um, they're not counting Friday which is the day DK signed his extension and had that press conference. They had a walkthrough that day that was closed door. It was still a practice. The media was just not there to watch. They weren't out on the uh, practice fields outside. There were no fans. So that's why they're not counting that day. I would assume I am going to count that day just so I can have all the days straight. So anyway, uh, Chris, how many days did you come out? The two? Yes, just two. Correct. Two, two of the five. And I'm glad you're able to make it to even those two. Um, because I feel like I have, I'm trying not to have like an anti-Drew, anti-Geno Smith 
like agenda being pushed, right? Because right now is a time of year where there's all this optimism, right? Yeah. Here's what Drew Locke could be. Here's what maybe Gino can do in the offense, hand it off, throw over the middle, you know, dink and dunk, play quarterback. Like there's all this rationale locally, uh, not as much nationally. There's a lot of nationale locally that like, hey, maybe this thing could work. And I've just kind of been over here. I feel like me, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who's kind of like, kind of had this stand. I'm talking about just like other writers around who have kind of had this stance locally. Cause I've been like, uh, hell nah. Like I've just, I just had very little confidence, you know, in the, in the quarterback battle. And when I say that, it's not just that I think the two dudes who are competing, Gino and Drew, are not like capable of anything. I just, I grade it as, can you win a quarter, a Super Bowl with this guy? I think everybody, every team should do that, especially this team, which preaches that. Now, obviously, if you're like, uh, I'm trying to think of a team, like the Lions or something like that, like, you know, Jared, you know, you're kind of playing for the future. And the organization is kind of selling that message as well. They're building something there. Here, they're selling more like, we want to win like tomorrow. Yeah. And if that's what the organization's feeding, and I know people in that building believe that as well, then, okay. I'm going to judge your quarterbacks accordingly. Can you win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith as your quarterback? Can you win with Drew Locke as your quarterback? I have been on the highly, highly skeptical side, and I have felt like I've been on an island a little bit as the one to write this consistently, tweet about it, talk about it on podcasts. But now Chris has seen it. Yeah, man. it's Chris has come to practice. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone's it. been at practice, but you, you, you in particular, we do this together, and I'm glad yeah. that you have witnessed what I – anticipated us witnessing and have witnessed for five days of open practices and the summary that I have, and then I'll toss to you is I, I, I think it's about as rough as I anticipated it being. That is what I'll say. Yes. It's, it's definitely a step back when you realize what you had to what you have now. And there are times we'll obviously talk about it more as the season goes on and progresses. But when we were watching one-on-ones, you know, who's throwing to who this and that overthrows underthrows, And that's one-on-one with the the receivers and corners specifically. It's one-on-one. You're a, the quarterback should know where the receiver is going. No, if, and no, if, and buts about it Two, the ball placement. I just, it's, it's crazy to me how bad some of the passes were with no pressure. No, nobody's rushing in there. Maybe you have a time clock in your head. Like I want to get rid of it in a certain amount of seconds, because obviously in game situations, they're going to be, there's going to be pressure. It could be a blitz. Someone can break free. You, you name it. But just to have such receivers like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, not having wide open plays is, is mind boggling, especially with how good they they are. I'm not saying that the Seahawks corners can't cover them. We'll get to the cornerback room later, but this is one-on-one, <laughs> and it's not as if the Seahawks shrink the field. For example, when we do one-on-ones, Mike, we cut the field in half. We play sidelines to the first hash, so you don't have the entire field to work with. These guys have the entire field to work with, and you're seeing pass breakups. You're seeing underthrows. You're seeing overthrows, which, in a certain extent, I'm okay with it. For example, today, Tyre Lockett was going up against Sidney Jones, and there was a lot of hand fighting. Just great coverage by Sidney. That threw off the timing with Drew Locke, so the pass was incomplete. Okay, I understand that. But to have a receiver 
get wide open, break free, and you overthrow them or underthrow them, I, I put my hands on my head and go, wow, this is not pretty. It makes me think maybe I could go out there and throw a nice ball. <laughs> no, don't go too far now. Against the air, though? Oh, well, yeah, I guess true. I guess yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying I could, they could put me in there and I could, you know, get a first down on, you know, third and 10. No, I'm talking about throwing in the air. I mean, I think I throw a nice little ball. <laughs> but watching these guys do it, I'm thinking, what's going on? And Shane kind of alluded to it. You didn't ask him about one-on-one specifically. Your question was more so about the red zone offense. And he said, yeah, they just got to get familiar with one another. Well, in one-on-ones, that is the time where you should get familiar or you can get a understanding of how Tyler Lockett likes the passes, how DK runs his routes, all of that with all the receivers, whether it be Cody Thompson, whether it be Freddie Swain, D- well, Diaz is out there, Bo Melton, Derek Young, uh, Aaron Fuller, all of these guys, Marquise Goodwin, you got to get a feel for it. And I don't see I haven't seen a positive connection where it's consistent with DK or Tyler between Geno Smith and or Drew Locke. And for me, that's a little concerning, especially going into a preseason game next Thursday. There's not a lot of time to to make excuses. Oh, they still need to get to get. We've gone. The Seahawks have gone through OTAs. They've gone through mini camp. They're now in training camp. They're running out of time. Of Yeah, they're still getting the hang of things that. I don't know when that's going to run out and that excuse is going to be no more, but they're at, I'm at this point where the quarterback has to make the play for me. And I haven't seen it consistently between Drew and Gino. So I will say this about assessing quarterback play during training camp. Um, what we're, so here's some, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very uh, nice to the quarterbacks here and be fair to them. Not just being nice, just being fair. A lot of the times we are judging throws especially in 11 on 11, we are judging throws at a time when the defense knows that they're going to be thrown, which obviously is not the case in a real game outside of two minute um, or third down for the most part. So, and I say that to say like today in the final four 11 on 11 periods, I don't think there, there was like two run plays, right? Because you know that they're going to throw. So that's a little bit of a disadvantage spun back towards the offense. Um, also, a lot of times what seems like a, just a routine check down or a scramble or just kind of throwing like a little stick route to a tight end or something like that's kind of boring, doesn't show us much, that maybe shows a lot to the staff. That's like, hey, that was his read based on this. He actually made a great decision here to hit the stick route, blah, 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 based on the cut. There's a lot of decision-making and nuanced things that that happen independent of what we are able to watch or, you know, just beyond. I wouldn't say independent. I would say just beyond what we're able to watch so there is that it's not just the balls that we see and who they go to and how often they they hit the receiver's hands so i will be a little bit more fair to them that said <laughs> oh, well I, that is fair i want to add that context actually the second piece of context i want to add gino gets a lot of reps with the ones actually he gets all the reps with the ones. And when I say the ones, I'm really excluding seven on seven because they mix that and there's no line. There's no lineman 11 on 11 though. Gino usually gets the first team O line. Gino gets Freddie Swain, DK and Tyler more often Marquise Goodwin as well. Drew meanwhile was more often, not always, but more often throwing to what's 86 his name, Kevin Cassis, um, Kay Johnson, Aaron Fuller, Cody Thompson, some of the guys, guys that you mentioned, it's just different. He get Drew gets the backup O line drew, but the, the trade-off there is that Drew gets to throw against the backup secondary more often, backup pass rush, you know, whereas Gino does get the first-team O-line, first-team receivers, but then he also gets the first-team defense too 
which has Sidney Jones, Artie Burns, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs. So I just think that context is important. That's why I don't really necessarily include all of the numbers, like who went this for that and yards, which some other people do when they track training camps, because there's all these it's context, right? It's not just that Geno went three for six in a drill and Drew went three for seven. If Geno had a different O-line, a better O-line went against harder DBs, yada, yada, yada. It's all, it's all contextualized. There we go. That all lay out. That all said, <laughs> practice is pretty much designed for the quarterbacks to kick ass. It was very obvious, very clear. They can't get hit. The pass rushers really can't even get busy like they want to because if they get near you and touch you, they might get cut. Right, like that's there's there's all of that. The receivers can pretty much do whatever the hell they want to the DBs. Right? Like the I haven't seen an offensive pass interference call yet. Saw like three defensive pass interference calls today, right? And I haven't seen an OPI not once. So the whole thing is mostly skewed towards the passing game succeeding, like even in the situations where we know they're gonna throw. And that said, to add all that, I really think even we we haven't had to ask. Pete Carroll about this because he's had COVID the last couple of days. But I mean, even if we asked him, like, honestly, is this what you expected through five, six days or whatever, he would probably tell you who expected a little better. It's to be a little sharper. And this is someone who I'm sure Pete is very high on his defense. Like he sees all these PBUs and he's probably like, oh, that's great. You know, I love what Kobe's doing. I love what Artie Burns is doing. I love what Sidney Jones is doing. Josh Jones has a couple interceptions. Great. It's all about the ball around here. Like even in Pete speak, I think he would still be like, yeah, but I want to see us push it downfield more. I don't even think I've seen like a deep ball completed in 11 on 11 or seven on seven yet. I don't think I've seen one. Um, I don't even think I saw a touchdown pass through the first two days. Some of that is they didn't do any red zone. So to be fair there, but like, I, I just don't think it's even like I had low expectations, but I think even the people with high expectations coming coming in here thinking that, you know, maybe Drew or Gino could lead him to like eight and nine season. If you watch the few first few days, you're like, wow, I'm just not seeing consistent sharpness. And that's what I want to say. I don't expect either one of these guys to be Russ or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. They're not. They'll tell you they're not. But the inconsistencies are just really, really, really apparent. The difficulty today on Tuesday getting the ball to DK Metcalf, as Chris alluded to, that was really startling because I feel like, this is hyperbole, but I feel like most people watch NFL or you see DK like, shit, anybody can get him the ball, right? Like, you, you know, like it's, it's hyperbole again and not as easy as it sounds. But in general, people, you know, you watch an NFL game, you're like, if I give it, if I give an NFL quarterback, no offense, Tyler Lockett and DK, he's going to do some things, right? That's what generally you think. And then just today, I counted nine throws to DK in 11 on 11. I think most of them are from Drew, but it was like five to four. So pretty even split. There was two catches. That was it. One of them was like a like a RPO slant type of thing during like a run session. Another was like a hitch, you know. Yeah, seven yards or something. Five. Yeah, yeah. Five, five actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something, something real easy and simple. Simple. <laughs> the rest were overthrows, bad fade balls. I was like. Bad back shoulder, but yeah, you thought it might have got tipped, so we don't. <laughs> yeah, the back shoulder might have got tipped. But even then, it was just, I was like. I thought I was tripping. I started looking at my notes. I was like, dang, they just can't get the ball. After a while, I was just like, can they just get the ball to DK? Because I, I was going to tweet out yesterday or Monday's practice. I was going to be like, just make a joke on Twitter, be like, you know what? I'd be a terrible offensive coordinator because I would just throw it to 14, like 90% of our plays, you know, because I just see like his freak athleticism 
and how good he is. And like, even if Shane Waldron did think that, you know, Shane, the OC, his guys are not getting him the ball. And I think that that's, that is legitimately startling and, and, and concerning, no matter how optimistic you want to be or pessimistic, getting the ball to DK should be almost as easy as getting it to Ken Walker as a, on a handoff for, especially because the, the throws that we saw today were not double coverage, you know, forced tight window throws. There's terrible balls. One of them was like a fade ball that Sidney Jones played really well, but that really didn't have a chance. Another one was a fade ball that Kobe Bryant actually played really well. We'll get into Kobe a little later. Um, another one was a like a a late crossing pattern that um, Artie Burns went and broke pick up. Balls. Yeah, oh. another one was, uh, no, the pick was Josh Jones. Yeah. The other one was like a, I think it was a deep ball against like Tariq Woolen with, with, with DK. They both like kind of jumped for it and it was just – just watching like man if now it's one practice i don't want to overreact but i just think that i would have expected the timing to be there you know they practice all damn day uh and gina already has that rapport with them so i think and it's not like no disrespect to sydney and and Artie burns or kobe bryant and Tariq willen but like they're not darrell revis and jalen ramsey right like it's you should get the ball there again it's practiced in ways that are catered to them so i thought that in particular was kind of was kind of concerning. Not that there's not been anything good. We see what what, what good we see it today. Like we saw a good touchdown. Couple of touchdowns to Marquise Marquise Goodwin. He yeah, had a he touchdown. Yeah. Um, I think Tyler, Penny Hart. Tyler Mabry touchdown was good. Yeah, the, on the uh, far end. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was there was highlights, but again, we're not we're not saying DK. We're not saying Lockett. We're talking about the backups, the guys that are really fighting for the fourth and fifth spot as a wide receiver. Right, DK should be. I mean, no discredit to those guys, but DK should be having two, three touchdowns. He should be dominating. Lockett should be dominating. That's what you want to see with your dominant receivers against a good defense, which the Seahawks have right now going up against the Seahawks offense. That's what you want to see. I don't want to discredit what we're seeing from the other guys, but that's a little bit like, hmm. I, I think DK should be having more touchdowns. Nine targets should be nine touchdowns if they're all in the end zone. That is right. It, it's really that simple. You have a guy in DK, 4'3", 225, can jump with the best of them. He's there like shouldn't be a problem. 6'4". You know? Yeah. I, we talked about it standing there. Right? Is it, it shouldn't be this hard to just throw a fade ball to DK. I'm seeing tight bullet passes. I'm like, what? And DK's, you know, just walking off. He, the good thing is he's not showing any emotion that would say, I'm pissed. Like, yeah. we haven't seen – yeah, we haven't seen like a helmet come off slamming or like yelling at his teammates. Like he just, you know, goes on to the next play. He's moving on, which is mature. That's good to see. But I don't know how long that can last. If that goes into the season. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I will give DK this. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, you're good. On Monday, he was very upset when he wasn't getting touchdowns. Ended um, up ended up fighting Daryl Taylor. Oh, so I, okay. I saw that clip. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he, but that's where I said the, the maturity is even more like he, you could tell he watched the film, saw that, probably talked with somebody, I don't know, or therapist, friend, family, Pete, I don't know. But you could see like Tuesday was just equally as frustrating, if not more. And like you said, it was very calm, just talked with his teammates through it. No fights, no going back and forth with the defense. I did think that was good to see after Monday because one thing DK said on Friday when asked about where his game can go, he said, I need leadership. I need to be mm. a leader. And then Monday, I was thinking that Monday, I was like, dude, this is not 
leadership. Not leadership, you know, starting, you know, not starting a fight, but I don't know who started it, but getting in a fight on the back of your offense performing uh, below your guys' expectations. I don't think, even though I love me a good training camp fight, but just for him in particular, I was like, you know, you gotta, you gotta hold yourself a little bit better than that. Um, and I was, it was really good to see him do that Tuesday. You know, because he could have been pissed. Some of them throws were bad. Like he, if he just went and punched somebody on Tuesday, I'd have been like, "Hey, I get it." It is sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But yeah. the fact that he would didn't even, uh, I know he was pissed. I, I just know DK well enough to know he was furious, probably of what happened today and on 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 Monday. But to see him kind of handle it better, that was good because DBs are going to continue to try to get under his skin if they know they can get a reaction from him. Correct. That's just how it works. You're going to keep poking the bear to try to take him out of his game. He knows that. Bobby told him that last year. You know, he got ejected from a game last year. He knows he can't do that, you know, because he can't help his team from the bench. So, and, and, he, and he knows that. But, yeah, Tuesday was like a – it was like a good little two-day two sample. All right, one day you were frustrated. Tuesday you were probably frustrated too, but you didn't fight anybody. Yeah. It's like that little uh, – that gift from uh, the TV show Insecure where the girl goes, you know what we call that? Growth. <laughs> yeah, like – that would that would legitimately was DK the last two days and credit to him, boy, because I'd have been cursing up a storm, throwing helmets. <laughs> yeah, I'd have been I'd have been pretty upset, man, because like it's not even that it was just to him. The off the defense was winning. The defense had like a 50 fit. You uh you weren't there on Saturday, were you? I was there Saturday, yes. You were there Saturday, and that was kind of even. It was Tyler Lockett had about three touchdowns. Um, but when I was going through my notes, I was like, hmm. Quandre Diggs didn't play. Jamal was Jamal still Adams, yeah. And then Al Woods didn't play. I was yeah. like, well, those are probably the three best defenders on the team. So let me see what happens on Monday. Well, what do you <laughs> first, know? First play, Al Woods with a tackle for loss. Yeah, first play, Al Woods just blows through the O-line. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, now, now okay, my suspicions were kind of, you know, confirmation bias, I guess, or whatever. I was like, okay. And then the defense just kicked the offense's ass on Monday. All right. Uh, so, and that's what happens when you bring Jamal back and Quandre back and Al was back. Three best players. You pull the three best players off the offense, they'll probably look like hell. Same thing, you know, pull the three best players off the defense, it evens the playing field. So, uh, and then Tuesday to see the, it be a little bit more back and forth. But I would still say, based on all the PBUs, this was another win for the defense. I thought, man, like uh, Josh Jones having that interception was impressive as much as it was a not good decision. Like, I just think the defense is kind of starting to stack days here where they are, at least the pass defense, to be very clear. Like, run defense is hard to guard. You can't tackle nobody. So the only, th- only like, there was, like, two examples of run plays where I was like, okay, I know what happened here. Actually, three. One of them, Alton Robinson just would have destroyed a running back. I forget who it was. Uh, I don't want to get it wrong. But Alton Robinson would have destroyed somebody on the edge. The other Al Woods would have swallowed somebody whole. Was that was that Rashad? Uh, on well, that yeah, two plays then because I remember the first play he tackled. I forget it might have been Rashad Penny. He yeah, just was, looking him. at my notes right now. Yeah, it was Rashad. He just bear hugged. Yeah, he just came through. I'm like, damn. All right, there and you that go. Was the first team O line, and then exactly. the uh, the other one uh, was a Kenneth Walker run. Oh, where Jordan he, slammed him? No, no, no. Late in the practice, where he just blew by a bunch of people. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 and then got pushed out by Quandre. But other than that, when we talk about the offense and the defense, largely we are talking about the passing game. I know people want to know about Charles Cross. They want to know about Abe Lucas. They maybe even want to know about center Austin Blythe or how the, the Daryl Taylor's coming along or Uchenna on the edges. 
We really won't get to gauge all that quite yet. They did one-on-ones with the pass rushers, but I didn't watch any of them because I was over there with the corners and the receivers because I really wanted because that's also where the quarterbacks were. So that was where my my eyes went first. Maybe when we get back from Vegas and they do more one-on-ones, I'll spend a day over there by the linebackers and running backs. I'll spend another day over there by the linemen doing the pass rush stuff. Like you can't watch it all at once. They're all all four happening all at the same time. time, Yeah. Yeah, The fourth one being the tight ends versus the safeties. Like all four of those one-on-ones are all happening on four separate parts of two practice fields. I only got so many eyes. Right. So that, that, that's pretty tough. Um, Another thing on the quarterback battle though, because that was something we got a lot of questions about. And uh, Chris and I talked about this on the field uh, Tuesday today. Drew Locke is only getting reps with the twos. Gino's only getting reps with the ones. That paints the idea that it's not a court, it's not a competition because one guy is getting all the starter reps, which I do understand. Here's why we amend that statement. It's a competition, even if Drew's only getting reps with the twos. It's not a fair competition. No, that's not fair at all. But it is a competition nonetheless, and not all competitions are fair. If you've ever covered college football, which I have, high school football, which I have, and then the pros like I am now, you recognize that not uh, it's not always you get 50% of snaps with the ones, you get 50%. No, sometimes the guy, other guy gets the twos, and he just has to ball his ass out, play a lot better than the guy who's getting the reps with the ones, and earn his spot. Uh, I don't know when Drew will get the reps with the ones. I imagine he will have to at some point. Um, to truly evaluate his play. Like he needs a lot more reps with DK, a lot more reps with Tyler, a lot more reps with Austin Blight, the starting center. Like you, you do need those things. Uh, but I do think it's a competition still. Like it, it's not fair and nor should it be probably, you know, Gino knows the system better. He knows the offense better. So maybe he should get the first, it's only been a week. Maybe he should get the first week of the ones. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if after the mock game, Drew gets the reps with the ones. You know, and and that switches things up. But right now, I still think it's a competition. Uh, just be just like Sidney Jones and Artie Burns are in competition with Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. You know, for the corner spots, Kobe and Tariq mostly run with the twos. It's still a competition. You yeah. know, you know what Kobe and Tariq have to do: ball out with the twos, and then you'll get some reps with the ones, right? And th- and then it becomes maybe a little bit more fair of a competition. But I don't want people to dismiss the idea that it is a competition. Um, because one guy's getting all the reps with the ones. It's a comp. I don't know who the hell is winning right now, uh, <laughs> but it is it is a comp. You've seen two days, Chris. Did either did one guy look better to you than the other in, in the two days that you've seen? On the two days I've seen, I thought Drew had a better outing on Tuesday, and then on Saturday I thought Gino had a better outing. And that doesn't say much because I thought Saturday they both pretty much struggled. It wasn't great, but I think today – Drew stepped up a little bit, and Gino, he struggled a lot. Interceptions, pass breakups. Not that Drew didn't have those, because Drew did have a couple that were underthrown or just pass broken. He didn't throw any picks, though. That kind of separates it there, the interceptions. And then I think they both had the same amount of touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. But overall, I would say it's 1-1 from the two days that I witnessed. Gino one day, Drew one day. So that's where I'm at with it right now, for sure. Yeah, I think – oh, I didn't mention turnovers. Yeah, I think by my charting – uh, and I may miss a snap here or there. I try not to miss turnovers, though, for the most part. I think Gino has four interceptions um, in the five days that we've been able to watch. And I don't think Drew has any. And some of that is just bad luck. Like, I think one today, as I flip through my notes right here, uh, I think one today should have been caught. Yeah. Was that, 
Was that Jones again? It was Kobe, the one Kobe Bryant batted up in the air. Who was that? that? Who, who, who Joey was the safety who came okay. over. The yeah. rookie from uh, where's Joey from? I can't remember where Joey. I think he's from Virginia. Uh, Joey, yeah, yeah, from Virginia, undrafted guy. He came and just dropped it. Yeah, you know, it, it looked very similar to the play, the tip by Richard yep. Sherman that Malcolm Smith comes and catch. It looked just like that. So similar. Yeah, yeah. I don't have video of it because we can't take video during that portion of practice, but. Just imagine that play. Imagine if Malcolm Smith just ran over and dropped it. That's exactly what it looked like. Like that's a play that probably should have been a turnover for Drew. Uh, Ugo Amadi dropped one on, I think Monday or Saturday. Ugo had one that he dropped. That would have been another interception for Drew. Um, so they've probably had a similar amount of turnover-worthy plays, you know. But an interception is mostly defined by whether the DB catches it. Um, but yeah, I think Gino has been picked off by. He got picked off by Sidney Jones, I think, on day one. He's been picked off by this Josh Jones cat twice now. <laughs> There's an issue. <laughs> uh, well, not if you're Josh Jones. If you're Josh <laughs> Jones, it's great. You know, There's some give and take naturally to training camp. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, and then the, the, what's the other one? What's the fourth interest? Oh, the Uchenna Wasserman. No, the he, Uchenna picked him off in seven on seven. Uh, on Monday. Which, Did you count the one from today, though? Yeah, Josh Jones has two. Okay, yeah. Shanna has one, and Sidney Jones has the other. So those are the four, uh, by, my, by my count. I don't think Drew, no, uh, Drew Locke has any, man. Uh, that is going to go a long way towards deciding things, too. Turnovers, who's turning the ball over. You really shouldn't turn it over in seven-on-seven, seven, to me. That just that drill is really made for the offense to just kick <laughs> It's a at. passing drill. <laughs> yeah, it's a passing drill. Like, the defense knows that the passes is, are coming, which helps them, but still, it's no still, pass. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's an issue. So I think, whereas I was very confident that, you know, because Chris and I have this bet where, you know, I have $100 saying Gino's going to start week one. Chris has 100 saying Drew Locke's going to start. If the world ends and Jacob Eason ends up starting, then neither one of us give the other any mulligan. Red, yeah, it's just you know null and void. But I, I was very confident in that bet up until about last Wednesday, 
you know, and then I was just like, hmm, this could go the other way. I don't know where you feel about it, Chris, after your two days of watching, but it feels a lot more like if Gino had the lead, it does feel like the gap has been closed, but not necessarily because Drew started lighting it up. It's just turnovers. Yeah, it just feels like, the, yeah, Gino has given it away more than Drew has taken it, but I don't really think either guy has been better than the other. No, I, it's a great point. We'll see how this plays out. I think, again, the first preseason game, we've talked about that for like every podcast recently, but I think that'll be a, a big sign on to, okay, this is where they're leaning. I would imagine that Gino takes the first snap out there mm-hmm. and he'll probably go a few series, but then I think Drew will get a majority. He'll probably get a longer opportunity to show what he can do with the twos. And maybe he has lock it out. Now nah, he probably won't have lock it out there. No, he'll have no, he might have fan out there a little longer, but that'll be it. And then it'll just be Cody Thompson, uh, Kobe Parkinson, you name it. Those type of guys that'll have to, yeah, yeah, he'll have to show what he can do. And if he's playing well, that'll be a good sign for him. If Gino doesn't really do nothing, that'll be a sign that damn, it's not looking good. And then maybe the second preseason game, Drew Locke gets his opportunity to start, and then you can go from there. So it really comes down to what happens in the first preseason game because I think again, Gino will go out there first and we'll get to see what he's able to do against another team and then we'll go from there yeah i think uh they have a tricky pk has a tricky situation on his hands because i would not play dk or tyler at all in the preseason we've been on this Mm. podcast pretty consistent for years saying there's no reason to put those guys out there um you look at how many guys are having non-contact injuries i think what's yeah had a couple guys Tim patrick yeah yeah like uh, so many guys are having these non-contact stuff in practice. So like, yeah. I can't imagine having, I just, you know, knock on your woods, ta- your table's wood, mine's not, but I'll knock on mine as well. I, it's just not worth it. Whatever rust that you're going to have from not playing DK, I'm cool with that, you know, because if, the, if I'll take a rusty, healthy DK over uh, the risk uh, that he gets hurt. And then you have that decision to make with so many of the guys. Like how often do you play Tyler? How much do you, how much do you play Will Disley? You know, how much do you play on defense? How much do you play Jamal Adams? Uh, None. With, with running, how much he already had a broken play? finger. Right. The, the the real tricky one will be at the running backs. How much do you play Rashad Penny? None. Because you want him to build off what was last year and get None. him to the run scheme. Nope. nope. Yeah, he's been, he's been so banged up. You don't want to risk it. You know, it's just, oh, man, it's it's very tough. I think Rashad, Rashad, um, DK, Tyler, present the biggest challenges on offense of how much do you play them um, in, in the preseason. But yeah, right now people keep at who's, you know, who's going to win the quarterback battle a week ago. I would have said, ah, Gino's got this after a week. I'm like, I, don't, I really don't know. Like no one's, I haven't really seen like a super impressive consistently sharp day. They've been okay. Yeah, walked out of camp saying he cooked him today. Yeah. You know, I just <laughs> want to see, you're talking about NFL quarterbacks who want to start, right? I want you to wow me, you know? Like, I want you to, you know, make some – there's been some good throws here and there. Like, it's not just all been ass. It's, there's been a lot of good throws today. Uh, or in general, there's been some good throws. I just feel like the consistency has not been there. Yeah, it's that's why I here, It's a bad throw there. It's a bad throw here, then a good throw there. And it's just a little bit of just too much back and forth. Way more PBUs, pass breakups than I would have imagined. I just feel mm-hmm. like there's been – so many hands on pass. Even Shane Waldron today, he was like, man, it does feel like they're getting a lot of hands on our passes. It's like, yeah. They, they are. are. And again, it's not because the, the whole secondary is Darrell Rivas. 
Yeah. Like, these balls are just not on target, and it's it's giving the DBs a chance. So uh, fingers crossed for the Seahawks' sake that that changes going forward because the, the early returns on the first six days of practice, five that we saw were just uh, – it didn't – even if you were super optimistic, I don't know how you could come away with that same optimism. It just seems like there's a lot to improve on in the throwing game, mostly with just the timing of the routes, just the timing. Maybe it's just the timing thing. We'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, but I do, I do want to show some love to the defense though. Cause I think, I feel like some people may be a little bit surprised at how much we've been talking about the defense. We, as in like people who are on TV and the writers, I'm not that shocked. Um, I'll toss to you, Chris here and see if you are, but I came into camp pretty certain that the, defense has the better players right just like top to bottom remember let's include both lines in this like you give me this isn't a good the perfect way to do it but just let's break it down this way five defensive linemen daryl taylor uchenna and wasu al woods puna ford Shelby. okay yeah let's put that five against charles cross abe lucas austin blythe d lou and gabe jackson wash d-line yeah, well, not a I, advantage D line to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a wash D line advantage. Yeah. Oh, washing them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah my bad. Yeah, Adv I got advantage D line. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if you give me the back seven, so you got you give me Cody and Jordan with Justin Coleman, uh, Artie Burns, Sidney Jones, Jamal Adams, and uh, Kwan Diggs versus I guess I need. Lockett. Yeah, Lockett. Metcalf. Metcalf. Uh, Freddie. Freddie Swain, Will Disley, Noah Fant, and um, the two running backs and the quarterbacks. I'll take the back seven. I, I, I would, um, even though I do think that Tyler and DK are probably the best receiving duo in the league. But Jamal and Quandre might be the best safety duo in the league. So I just think that the defense has had the better players too. So, like, I think – I think that's that that was always clear to me, which so I'm not really surprised though. But man, and Chris, you've seen it. The 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 DB room is having a time right now. It feels like they are hardly it feels like they they are having more opportunities to talk shit than the offense is having. The offense has had its moments, like today, Penny Hart's touchdown and Marquise Goodwin's touchdown and Tyler Mayb Maybrey's touchdown, but it feels like in general, though, the DBs have been high stepping. Yeah, often in celebration than the the uh, offense has. Yeah, and I said this on Cairo because Chris Francis asked, you know, what do you what are your thoughts on the defense? Pretty much, I think this defense is going to be a lot better than people are expecting, and so far they've proven that. And then let's look at the touchdowns that the offense has scored on. If I'm not mistaken, all three today on Tuesday that was were scramble. <laughs> it wasn't. This is your first read, second read, touchdown. This was first read not open, second read not open. Oh my goodness! Play breaks down. Time to make something, make some magic, and someone breaks free. They weren't drawn up that way. So that's give a little credit to the defense because nine times out of ten, maybe there's a sack, maybe there's other something, another factor that plays into it. So while yes, the offense scored, the defense is playing really stout. And I saw Jamal Adams today after a after a play, he was barking at the offense. He was just letting them know, like, I'm back. Like, don't try that. Like, it's a wrap for you guys. I don't know what you think you're doing, but I'm here. Even with a club on my hand. Like, we're going to make it work. You're not completing this. 
it was good seeing that energy from him. And to your point, this defense is good. Right now, they look really, really talented. The back end, the front line, they get after it. And maybe that's one of the issues that this offense is having. They're just like, yo, this defense is really good. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. I think it's a but, little bit both. But they got to figure something out because you got to you gotta be able to beat this defense, especially because week one, you're going to go up against a different defense. So you might as well work on beating these guys. That way when you go up against a defense that's not the Seahawks, you're able to go out there and flourish. You're able to do your thing. And speaking of the cornerback room, man, Kobe Bryant. I don't know if it's, I don't, it's, gonna, it's gonna be very hard for him not to start week one if he continues on the path that he's playing right now. It that is that that's how that's where I'm at with it. I know the passes weren't great, but he's still making plays on it. A pass cannot be great, and then a receiver can make the quarterback look good. That's fine. That happens. That happens with really good wide receivers. Calvin Johnson, it doesn't matter. You throw it up, he's gonna make he's gonna make the catch. He's gonna make Matt Stafford look good. Could have been a terrible ball. Duck, all of it. Calvin's gonna go and get it. We haven't seen that in practice. When it happens, very rare, like I said, it's when the play breaks down, which you mentioned. Tyler Mayberry, Mayberry scoring, Penny Hart. They were all scramble drills. It wasn't drawn up for them to get it. It just happened that way. And that's that's a lot of credit to the defense. But I like what Kobe's doing. When he lines up against DK, he's not backing down. He's jumping up, showing his athleticism, being able to turn his head. If I'm not mistaken, Greg Bell asked him a question about going up against Metcalf, and he said, it's repetitions. I'm getting comfortable with the game, and he's been playing it so long. He's been used to being the quote-unquote number two guy playing alongside Sauce Gardner. He was getting a bunch of throws, and he was making plays. He was able to do that. And in the Seahawks, they're testing him out, as he said, and the presser today on Tuesday that, yeah, they're every time I'm out there, they're throwing in my way, but I'm stepping up to the challenge and I'm making plays. And that's what you want to see out of this guy. That's why I'm saying I think it's going to be very hard for him to not start week one if he continues playing the way he is as of Tuesday. Yeah, Kobe, and I did a I did a big feature story on Kobe uh, in June. So I'm not like totally surprised that he's playing well. You know, uh, I talked to a lot of people in Kobe's family and, people that have coached him and played with him and they just a he's got like NFL, like in his blood, kind of like his brother made the NFL, right? Christian Bryant. Um, but he was like a sixth or seventh round pick of the like Rams, um, fears back. Um, so he's got that part. He comes from a football factory. Uh, I forget the name of the school high school that he went to. It's in Ohio though. It's like a, a suburb of Cleveland. Uh, he went there. Glenville, I think, is the program. Like it's coached by Ted Ginn Sr. And Ted Ginn Jr. went there and like they send a bunch of kids to Ohio State all the damn time or they just produces guys think, like Marshawn Lattimore is from over there. Uh, Frank Clark, um, some other couple other cats, too. And then like the, all the Ohio State guys, Kobe's brother went there. Uh, Ryan Shazier, I think, is an Ohio State guy. This is a bunch of Ohio State guys. Just read my story on Kobe Bryant. But. So I'm not totally surprised. Like he's been built. He played five years in college with the Jim Thorpe Award winner, which is the best DB in college. So like, I'm not surprised by some of the Kobe stuff, but it's still damn impressive, man. I think that I don't even think I've seen him give up a deep ball yet, and it's been like five days. That's really rare, man. Like, and it's hard to do. Yeah, even now, granted, the deep ball throwers that he's going against aren't like as good as like what Shaquille Griffin would go up against as a rookie or Trey Flowers or. Hmm even Mike Tyson or excuse me, some of the other guys that they brought in, but 
I just think what Kobe's been doing with the ball in the air, I just want to focus on that part because they still got to be able to tackle and some other stuff that we won't see until there's uh, another team on the field. But when the ball's in the air, boy, does that, that kid look comfortable. And yeah. I keep writing it every day because I think it's notable every day because he gets a new challenge every day, whether it's a go ball against Cody Thompson or a go ball against Marquise Goodwin or a, a fade ball against Metcalf or a fade ball against Tyler Lockett. Like Kobe just is really comfortable. Even if he's beat, like he was beat on Monday. Um, and Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Cody Bo- Thompson got him. Oh, well, I'm talking about in the 11 on 11. Seven oh, okay. On 11. My bad. Yep. But yes, Cody, Cody, Cody Thompson had a step on him as well. But in, on Monday, Bo Melton had him beat. Kobe saw that ball in the air, tracked it, flipped his head, boom, pass deflection, yeah. whole crowd goes crazy. You know, I just think that how comfortable he is with the ball in the air has been very impressive, very instinct, instinctual. I was talking with um, somebody in the building, uh, in the Seahawks building, the uh, after one of the practices, and I was like, man, look, I don't want to hype him up too much because he's a rookie. I'm like, between me and you, man, this kid is legit, right? He was like, yeah, he, yeah, he is. He's giving us some problems in practice, and it's really good, you know, like, he, he's legit. So I think the hype, the hype around him that you guys have probably been seeing and reading and hearing about is legit in terms yeah. of just being really comfortable with the ball in the air, you know, like, just that's, that's the huge part, as Kobe talked about today. He said the NFL is about making plays on the ball. That's so, what I'm doing. He's right. You make plays on the ball, you get paid. Point yeah. blank pair is no way around that. Now, if you don't make plays on the ball, it doesn't mean you're not a good corner. Shaquille Griffin made the Pro Bowl without an interception, right? Like that, he had a good year. You can do, he had like 13 passes defense. Maybe. Yeah, four, 13 or 14. He had a crazy yeah. year with that. Very impressive. But like he he didn't have any interceptions, right? You can, you can, and Kobe doesn't have one through five open practices. So like he's just been very impressive. But to your point, Chris, about he, him starting week one, I could easily see a scenario where everything we just said is true, and he still doesn't start week one. Why? <laughs> because Sidney Jones and Artie Burns. Yeah, Burn, yep, that was my next two guys, yeah. Somebody who's kind of caught me off guard has been, because I saw Sidney last year have his best year of his career, so like that part, I'm like, oh, okay, I could see a little bit of how that's coming to fruition. And even then, I talked to Sidney Jones the other day, and I was like, you know, Sidney, I was thinking about something. All you guys talk about how important training camp is in the offseason and building chemistry and knowing the guy next to you and yada, yada, yada. You got here like September last year. He's like, yeah, that was really tough. You know, like he mentioned that that play in the 49ers game, his first start. Oh, where he yeah. Blows the coverage and Debo Samuel goes for 76 yards. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's see, that was on me. That's a play that I just messed up on because I was so new. You know, yeah, it like, wasn't in the flat. He, yeah. Yeah. He was like, I just never, I never made, I've never made that mistake again. And, you know, he, and he didn't to his credit. So I think that like him having this training camp time is kind of showing more of who he really is than last year maybe did just because he's had some time to just learn the system and learn the scheme and master it. So like him playing well, has kind of been like, okay, I can see how that happens. Yeah. I ain't a damn thing about Artie Burns boy, but he might have to get a little feature ink from me too. Cause yo, he is making when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
I think we saw glimpses. I remember the Bears game. After DK scored yeah. on that 75-yard touchdown, I believe it was, I know Artie came in on him, and it was not that DK didn't make any plays or anything, but there were no more explosive plays that we had right. seen from him. And that was due to Artie coming over. And then we saw a little bit of today and on Tuesday and one-on-ones. He already was very physical, was right there with him, got a PBU on him. Those, I'm, It's a very competitive room, hence the title, competitive quarterback room. Everybody is out there. And it it, it makes me wonder, so what's going to happen with Trey Brown? Because yeah, he he's still on the pub list, physical, physically unable to perform, and he is on the death chart, but all these guys are playing pretty well. So when he comes back, he's going to have to climb a huge mountain to get playing time and show that he can be in the room. I mean, maybe he gets a spot, a shot at nickel, but even Coleman, he's he's not playing too bad. It's it's gonna be tough. It's there's a lot of corners in this in this in this room, and it's fun to see how competitive they're playing and how well they're doing right now through the two game two games, through the two two practices I've seen for sure. Yeah, I was um when DK got into a fight with Gerald Taylor, I was surprised that he didn't fight Artie Burns on Monday because they was going at it. Um, and I was talking to I was talking to the, one of the homies at practice, and I think I was asked, or maybe I posed the question like, "Hey, who would you take in the fight, uh, Artie Burns or DK Metcalf?" I'm just kind of just joking. Um, and then I was like, "Actually, hold on. Before I answer that, let me see where Artie Burns is from." And then mm-hmm. I remember Clint Hurt saying that he remembers uh, Artie coming out of Miami Gardens in high school. I was like, oh, Artie's from South Florida? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, boy's crap. <laughs> I'll just, yeah, I'll just go, bl- I'll blindly take him. Uh, and then I just been watching him. I just think Artie's just like, a, once I remember that he's from South Florida, I'm like, oh, okay, now I see why he's got so much fight in him. Like, there really is no back down. Like, he's a shit talker. Um, Jamal Adams is a, is, a, is, a, is a shit talker. Like, they have some shit talkers on there. Then they got some reserved guys. Like, Sidney Jones doesn't bark too much. Uh, Kobe Bryant doesn't. And, Kobe Bryant will celebrate his own play, but won't like go get in somebody's face if someone else makes a play. He'll just go celebrate the guy. But some of them DBs, man, they talk in their stuff, and rightfully so. Uh, I just think Artie has been, as much as Kobe Bryant has played really well, and Tariq Williams made some good plays too, but as much as Artie, excuse me, as much as Kobe's played well, he could play his butt off, I think. And if Artie and Sydney keep playing the way they've been playing, just really aware, staying on top of stuff, like sit, even sitting on like hitches, they've defended the end zone really well. Um, I think you know Sydney and Artie have done a really good job protecting the end zone. I think Sydney might have might have given up a touchdown through camp. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Artie has not. Like and Artie goes up, up against DK Metcalf quite a bit on a lot of fade balls. Like the one time I thought they were gonna fight is because DK didn't catch a fade ball against Artie on Monday. Artie let him know about it. DK took a swipe at him, and they wasn't you know they were not seeing eye to eye there as, as teammates. And I just think that, man, I, as much as I've talked up art, uh, excuse me, Kobe and, and, and print. And we just did it here. I cannot ignore Artie, man. Yeah. Artie's been, he has, he has been balling. Sydney has been balling. They, they make the job easier for like Quandre and, and Jamal. Like you, you see those dudes really in command of what they got going. You're just not seeing a lot of explosive plays against the first team defense. Yeah. Now, maybe that would be the case against, any defense is because of who, how kind of spotty the quarterback play has has been. But I just think, in general, the first team defense just has just been really, really consistent, really solid. They've given up some plays. Like a Tyler, Tyler Mary Bay play today was, that was against the first team defense. 
uh, Tyler coming across the formation. I think he was against like Kobe, uh, Cody Barton uh, on that one as he made a diving catch. Really good catch. Really good throw by Gino. Uh, but we're talking about the cornerback room. Yeah, I like Trey Brown too. I did a feature on him last year as well. Talked to some people around him. He can ball. But boy, they are making it so tough. Like he is, he is going to be at a huge disadvantage. All these positive reps. I, I might just go back and chart all the PBUs that already Sydney and, and Kobe Bryant have, man, because they've just been really, really active on the ball, man. It's really hard in training camp to make plays on the ball without drawing a penalty when you guys aren't, you can't do as much as you want to as a DB. You don't have pads on other than today. Uh, and there's all these rules in training camp and stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been really encouraging to see because I had a lot of questions about the cornerback room. You know, I, it's very rare that a team comes into uh, a season with basically two open outside cornerback spots and then fields a good defense. Yeah. Usually you at least have a guy. Like you have like a Jalen Ramsey. Let's figure out who the other guy is. You got a Dyer <laughs> Alexander, A.J. Terrell, Richard Sherman, Darrell Revis, whoever. You know, Champ Bailey, I don't know. Like you just have good – one good guy, and you need to figure out who the number two is. These guys are trying to figure out who the number one and the number two is. And coming in, I was like, that's just not a good place to be in. And now I'm like, shit, if you start Sydney, Artie, Kobe, or Trey Brown uh, week one, I think Russ is going to have some some issues, So uh, Russ and the Broncos. So, yeah, I, I think just analyzing the passing game, I have been – kind of underwhelmed with the corner, the core turback play, Gino and Drew, but I have been uh, overly impressed, I think, with the early returns on the cornerback room. My questions about the quarterbacks still remain, whereas my questions about the cornerbacks are slowly dissipating. I'm feeling a lot more optimistic about that group. Well, let's continue on surprises, all right? We only got one question in that regard, but I thought it was important just because there's someone that stands out. There's got to be, right? And for me, the one person that is standing out at camp, and I think he's been standing out for a while now. It's not – he didn't just come up on the scene. And that's Cody Thompson. If I'm not re- if I'm not mistaken, about a month ago, maybe in June, uh, Cody, he's been known to ha- – he was known to have the best spring. So hearing that and then watching him for the past two practices I was there, okay, Cody – and then not to mention – Cody was out there when DK was holding in. So he was getting a lot of the first team reps and he was making the most of it. He was out there catching passes. Looked pretty good. He looked comfortable. And that's good for him. That could he's putting film on for other teams if it doesn't work out with the Seahawks, whatever the case may be. But I've been really surprised at how well he has just come in and just played the role. I thought initially there were three wide receivers that are for sure are going to be on the team, right? DK, Lockett, and most likely Freddie Swain. Okay, well, there's a Cody Thompson dude who is playing pretty well. So for me, it have to be Cody Thompson just from what I've seen. Yeah, I think that the person who's kind of surprised me a little bit. It, it, I mean, I just went on a whole Artie Burns soliloquy, so it's really uh, <laughs> really it, it, the Bears game was a good point. You are right. Like after that, I think it was like a 50 yard touchdown against a rookie corner in that Bears yeah. game DK had, and then after that, it was I don't even know if he had a catch. Maybe he had like two catches or something like that. Nothing big, like you mentioned. Artie's the 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 the, the real surprise uh, for me, I just, I didn't, he's looked, he's looked locked down. Like a fun, a fun exercise the way I uh, kind of gauge guys around this time of year is just kind to trying to refer to them by their numbers only. That way I just, um, I'm, ex, I'm eliminating the resume. 
right? Don't tell me who you are, what you've done. Just let me just see. Let mm. me see if I can spot out the dudes who have been ballers. You know, and some of that's easier to do, you know, for a passing game because there's not a lot of there's no tackling to the ground and stuff like that. But if I just came in blind and I'm just like, oh, okay, let me just see what the Seahawks got going at camp. I would definitely come away thinking, has 21 made the Pro Bowl or something lately? Like, legitimately, I would like, oh, wonder. I would ask that someone next to me, like, hey, man, you've been here a while. Is 21? 21's been a Pro Bowl or something? So, like, that's um, that, that's been impressive. Uh, the other one I would say, Marquise Goodwin. You know, I think that the Seahawks have taken some flyers on some of these veteran dudes, um, you know, at receiver in particular. You know, you had the Brandon Marshall debacle, uh, and they've had some other ones, like guys – over their 30s, I think Marquise Goodwin, I'm looking at my roster right now, Marquise turns 32 in November. Um, so they've taken some chances on these guys, and it just kind of hasn't really worked out. Um, I think the Marquise Goodwin thing will work out. Like, he looks – he actually looks really, really, really fast. Like, he had a couple reps on go balls against Tariq Woolen uh, in one today. <laughs> well, Tariq ran right there with him, but I was like, damn. The separation, though, at first, I was, damn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. separation off the – well, it's tough because the DBs – when the when the receiver turns up field like that, you don't know whether to put on your track speed or be cautious and defend against the comeback route. So the, the both those times that Tariq got beat initially, you could tell he was like, all right, is he going? Okay, he's going. Let me go with him. And then when he went with him, it was like, Jesus, it looked like DK chasing down Buddha Baker. Two of the fastest dudes on the field, Marquise and uh, Tariq, going at it. But Marquise has looked really, really – like he just knows how to get open. He looks like – what we kind of thought Philip Dorsett was going to be. Uh, I think that was what, two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Philip, Philip Dorsett. Like, Philip, I'm on the pod. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Philip Dorsett. Like, Philip, who's also very fast, by the way. Like, Philip is super fast. Uh, I think Pete might have said Philip was like one of the fastest receivers they ever had. And he, that's what Marquise Goodwin has actually looked like now that he's been on the field. Um, not catching everything. I think I had him with like two drops and one on ones. Um, but just he hasn't looked like. Um, here we go again. Here's another 30-plus-year-old receiver Pete Carroll takes a flyer on. No, no, no. It looks like, oh, okay, this is a dude. Like, if, if again, if I came in blind and just watched the Seahawks and didn't know any of the names on the jerseys, I would probably walk away thinking, hey, yeah, yeah, hey, what's up with 15? 15 looks like he can ball. Tell me more about him. You know, and that's a good way to look at camp. Just look at the numbers. Just, just watch the rules running around. Tell me who you like, you know. That would tell me, oh, Al Woods is a baller. Like Al Woods has a couple of run plays every day. We're like, Jesus, did they just forget to block 99? God damn. 15 for me has been one of those guys. So I'm like, oh, if I didn't know no better, I would think you were one of the team's like better players. There it is. And what we'll do is we got a couple that we can just turn to Twitter questions. So what we'll do, we got three of them. We'll wrap it up here with some Twitter questions. We'll answer these three. And then that'll be that. So the first one is about Kim Walker, actually. And this is from Taylor Fowers at Taylor underscore Fowers. Have you gotten a good look at Kim Walker catching the ball? Obviously, only one day with pads, but with his explosiveness, he could be reliable receiving option. That could be huge. Yeah. So uh, Chris mentioned earlier about how most of the touchdowns today were off script. There were two that were on script. One was to Marquise Goodwin on like a dart. Now, we got into the media room, and everyone says that the ball hit the ground. That's what uh, I thought, but I, okay. I could be wrong. I had a bad angle. The, the I just had a bad angle. I was like, whatever the ref says, I'm going to write in my notes. So I wrote that it was a touchdown. That was what the ref said. Everyone else swears. 
Chris included now that he didn't catch it. Artie Burns was like, ref, are you, are you, blind? Are you blind? Yeah, like, come on, man. You, you hit the ground. The whole defense was like, what are you talking about? So now I lean towards maybe he didn't catch it. But that if he did, that would have been like an on-script uh, play. The other on-script play was a dump off to Kenneth Walker, who was wide open. Yeah. Um, and just walk into the end zone. I forget who blew the coverage on that. It was from Drew Locke, um, who we caught the pass from. Kenneth can catch, man. And I can't remember if I talked about that on this pod or somewhere else, but I remember talking about how DK in college ran like two, three routes, right? But that did not mean he only knows how to run two, three routes. That was all he was actually doing in college because that's all he needed to do to get open college <laughs> d eskridge was very similar right and uh, it was on this pod because i was using that same example with charles cross charles cross was asked to pass block like 98 percent of the time it does not mean he could not run block it just means he was not asked to do it very much in college same thing with ken walker ken can catch he just wasn't asked to do it at michigan state because he was running through every defense <laughs> he had like 1600 yards i wouldn't have asked him to catch it either here, he can catch. He had a really good diving catch for a touchdown either Saturday or Monday. Uh, like, he can catch. He has, like, three touchdowns, you know, in camp receiving. I don't think any of the backs have more than one. Um, so, like, he's been, quote-unquote, their best receiving back um, in that regard. So, yeah, Ken, Ken can catch. Now, granted, I don't think they're going to ask him to do any catching uh, once the season starts. I do think that'll be more of Travis Homer, more of DJ Dallas. Um, shout out to DJ Dallas, by the way. He he was like, uh, yeah, I've always been, a, I was talking to him this morning. He was like, yeah, I've been, always been an underdog, you know, even more so now. I was like, what changed now? Like, why are you more of an underdog? He was like, well, in y'all eyes, you know, he's just kind of saying it with a smirk. And I was like, oh, he sees us only talk about Rashad and Ken. He's seeing that. He's out to prove mm-hmm. something. So shout out to DJ. But the reason is I'm very confident that most of the carries will go to Rashad into Ken this season. I think most of the passes will go to, to DJ and Travis. That's just kind of how I think it'll be split. But I will say this, Ken can catch, man. And as a runner, he has put a, necess- uh, a fire under the other backs. Like Rashad can come into the games in the training camp, like I'm RB1, I'm the guy, and he better perform like he's RB4 because Ken is right there on his butt like yo if you give me this rock i might take a 60 yards to the house you know so uh he'll be he'll be my probably other than the quarterbacks my number one guy to watch probably um when they have uh preseason games because i just want to see that kid run him and then charles cross will probably be the other one i want to see in a real in a real game just to really evaluate them but yeah ken walker he can he can catch but make no mistake when they ask him to run the rock which is what they're going to ask him to do i think that that dude is going to deliver our next one comes from Robbie DJ at Rock and Red. Any thoughts on the wide receiver three position? Seems to be an open battle given uncertainty around D's durability and some of the incoming rooks. Also have heard good things about Marquise Gubin from camp as Mike just touched on. Yeah, so um, as much as I thought Marquise Gubin has been like a pleasant surprise, um, I think part of the surprise part is having low expectations, which I just I, I, uh, I outlined again why I've had some of those for the over 30 receivers that Pete Carroll has brought in. But in general, I just think the wide receiver three thing, A, it's a little bit overblown 
like I, I'm, I'm probably gonna ask someone at the athletic to help me out with this i don't know who quite yet maybe maybe the homie Arif in minnesota i really want to find out what like the average season is for a team's number three receiver i imagine it's not many catches or yards or touchdowns it's probably like a, a average the average number three receiver on any given roster probably gets what 25 catches 30 400 yards maybe three four touchdowns like it's it's not a very productive position is my point so i try not to stress over it too much although i think you need to have one i think your 11 personnel needs to be dynamic that said i don't really have faith in anyone really emerging as a legitimate guy i i, st I think d has the talent too but your best avail best ability is availability and i have not seen d practice since day one um so i just think he's falling a little bit behind there not to say he doesn't have the talent just has been on the field my if given the equal number of reps i really would vote for cody thompson i think mm. he's really i think he's really 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 good route runner uh, i do and that sounds a little cliche because like cody's white and that's usually the first thing you say about white receivers that are like really good route runners technicians uh, yeah technicians gritty gym rat yeah i know i just I, I, i'm feeding into the cliche a little bit but no cody cody is really good man i wish i could just like teleport doug baldwin onto the show right now to, to like vouch for for me on that on that analysis like one thing that sanjay lal pointed out i think i asked about cody thompson back in june sanjay is the receivers coach and the passing game coordinator uh sanjay was like yeah dk is really good at like taking everything we do in walkthroughs and in practice and doing it that exact same way in the game like he used the example of he said in walkthrough before that patriots game in 2020 dk round that v route against stefan gilmore he ran that exactly the same way and walked through, did it exactly the same way in the game and scored. He's now Sanjay said Cody is does the same thing. When Cody does something and walk through, it looks one way and he goes on practice and does the exact same thing, just taking what they teach him and applying it. And that's probably why he's so good at running routes because he's good at a, like getting repetition and then like just redoing it when it when it matters which is really important it's kind of like somebody working on their free throw routine you know if you get your free throw routine down when you get into the games you just always you'll just be money like steph curry or like jordan uh, uh what's his name uh jordan pool or whatever damian lillard guys who shoot like 90 percent. so i would probably vote for cody but i'm i don't think that's saying a ton about the room you know uh i think all there's a bunch of guys in there with talent but nobody kind of blows me away in that regard so i think that if if the seahawks are going to be in like the trade market for anything i don't know why they would be that would be the position i really look to like if we can we can steal a number three caliber receiver you know i think that is it don't have to be like the rams adding odell beckham like i don't think they'll get one of those situations but hey man if that thing goes south with the browns see if you can get jarvis landry or whatever oh no no where's jarvis landry at now uh, let me look it up for you. I don't remember, Ooh. but he is no longer with the Browns. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The same. New Orleans. Yeah. And he's Ooh, like him and Michael Thomas. Ew. And the kid from Ohio State. Like Jarvis is like a number three. Let's see what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um they're like a number three. Who's the number three in uh like A B was like the number three in Tampa? Like, that was cheat. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Gallup was like the number three in Dallas when it was him, CeeDee Lamb, and Cole Ryan. Beasley, number three with the Bills. Yeah, and even, yeah, yeah, honestly, they're number three. Like, these are number threes that I feel a little bit better about. Um, 
even someone like McCole Hardman as a number three, like in Kansas City or whatever. Like, I just think that those I don't I don't see one of those in this room. So if the Seahawks are in a situation where they can upgrade, like steal somebody's number one or something like that because they're disgruntled or whatever. I don't again, I don't know why they would do that in this particular season. But if they wanted to, like, that's that's the position I'll go after, because right now no one's really blowing me away. But again, I don't think the, the number three receiver position is that is like a that productive of a position. I just think having a third pass catcher is important. So if that's Noah Fant this year, then I think that's fine. Last one comes from Kong. What's the biggest difference you see without Russ and Bobby? And shout out to who pointed this out to me on Twitter that with Pete having COVID, mm. whose last two practices have been the only practices probably ever in the era, uh, unless Pete missed a practice in 2010 or 11, that there was no Pete Carroll, Bobby Wagner, or Russell Wilson. And I think the most noticeable difference besides the on-field play is there ain't no fans at practice. Like, now they have not been keeping track of the attendance. At least uh, I asked on Monday, and they said they haven't been keeping track. So maybe that changed Tuesday. I do not know. Um, but just from the naked eye, man, and anyone who's been out there any of these days knows, it has not been the same, man. That, that crowd is usually electric. Uh, at, at practice, man, like going nuts, uh, just packed, hard to get like a standing room at the front, and it's just not been that. Uh, I it just feels like the the numbers are not there, the enthusiasm's not there. The kids still want the autographs and stuff after. Like kids always are going to be hyped, you know, especially at the end. But in general, I think that's the biggest thing I've noticed. Right now, the roster is not moving the needle with the fans in terms of attendance at practice. I don't know what that means for like sales of anything or what it'll look like for season tickets or whatever. But I just think when you just ask me, is it feeling any different out there, Mike? I'm like, yeah, man, ain't nobody here. <laughs> you know, that that's, that's kind of concerning, I think, because if they're not, sure, if they're not a hype around this time of year, will they, how hype are they going to be in October, November, December, you know, January. So that's, um, that's something to keep an eye on. I encourage somebody if, our listeners, come on out. Say what's up to me and Chris if you guys are out to practice. Definitely come out and see for yourselves on that one because you, I, I don't think Chris can attest, man. I'm, I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke on that. It really does feel like the attendance has been very light. You know. Yeah, I've seen a lot of green when I look up there. My past five years being there, covered. Yeah, like you said, people are you know bumping one another, trying to you know talking, watching. It's it's packed. And now I'm looking like, damn, there's a lot of grass up there, man. A lot of turf visible. And I'm not, I. For me, like I said, being there for the past four or five years has been a little weird, a little different, for sure. Yeah, they pra they're practicing at a different time. Maybe people are just don't want to deal with the hassle of going to park at the landing or whatever and taking a shot. No, 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 no. I don't know. You want to see Seahawk football? You it don't matter. <laughs> you right. want to deal with <laughs> the NFL? You know, like man, like dudes come over here from the UK and Germany and stuff to watch practice this time of year. Like people care. I just feel like this year that that enthusiasm is not is not there um i don't know if it's reflected in like my numbers on my story metrics or anything or anything like i feel still like i still feel like seahawks twitter is pretty active but just in person that has definitely felt different this year definitely well that'll do it there it is twitter questions man finished it off with a bang i want to thank you guys for rocking with us on another episode of seahawks man to man we'll be back next week we're gonna take a little break here but we'll drop this for you guys to enjoy as we're gone but mike is there anything you want to add before we get out of here yeah, I think uh, in terms of scheduling, we'll try and be back after the preseason game. That'll maybe, work. Maybe, maybe not that day. 
maybe we can that record Friday or Saturday. Yeah, the day after the game, and then just put it up that day or whatever. Just because it, it's a night game, I think, so it'd be real late. Um, yeah, we don't want to do that for a preseason game. We'll we'll wait till the season starts to do that. <laughs> When's the first game? First game's August thirteenth or something like that. It's like a Saturday. Yeah, games at like four. So yeah, maybe maybe we'll just do it a Sunday morning or something like that and put it out. So um, so it'll be a little bit because today's like the second. So that's a long time to wait. But we just want to you know give you guys a, a heads up there. But we appreciate the love. We're working on guests, um, working on growing the show in some other ways too. So until we have some formal announcements on that, just keep subscribing on YouTube, please, please, please. Um, Spotify, Apple, The Athletic, we appreciate all the love, all support, all the Twitter questions. Again, if you're out at camp, make sure you say what's up. Uh, we appreciate the love. It's always fun to meet you guys uh, in person, you know, put names to some of these Twitter names, or, or put faces to some of these at names that are always tweeting us and stuff like that. We appreciate it. Uh, Chris and I are going to go to Vegas now. <laughs> Woo! Y'all be easy. Come down. I wish it was you come around. I'm allowed to cut you off. Like right now. You see, I don't have to drive me. If you say that for your mama, maybe you should smoke some. You try to mail hot hours. Never you good. The Bible straight shows you a couple of things and they finish trying. I treated you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your bag and a color. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.